0: This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows.
1: It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. So hard it will hurt your brain. I
0: catch you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Set on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries. Ain't? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host, Jerry and Tracy
1: Pauling, and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to episode 194 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry.
0: And I'm Tracy.
1: We have a fun story today. Good. One that I bet most people hadn't heard of. But obviously, before we get in that, big, big thank you to all of our military and civil servants all over the world. Thanks for what you do. Obviously, a big shout out to all of the frontline personnel out there, the EMS drivers, the doctors, the nurses, everybody who's CNAs. helping with the oh, COVID. Yes. You know, and if you're in the medical field and you're on the frontline line. Big thank you. Also to all the truck drivers and anybody else that uh, is listed as essential employees that have to get up and go to work every day. You know, it can be scary for some people because it doesn't matter if you work for Amazon or if you wherever you work. If you've got a bunch of people around you, I'm sure it's entering your mind, mm-hmm. you know, as to, you know, who might have it, who might not have it. And uh, I know it's it's got to be bearing on you and you've got to come home to your family and worry about, you know, you know, did I possibly catch it today and i don't know it am i going to spread it to your family it's 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 a you know a rough situation to be in but we just want to say that we're thinking about you and we care about you
0: absolutely and i also want to thank the the young men and women that have to clean up the hospital rooms i mean i mean do you know what i'm saying I mean, they have to go in those rooms as well so we don't want to forget about them and the cnas of course um it's just uh Hard road for everybody right now, but I am so, 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 so proud of everybody that's doing their part. Um, keep the prayers coming and we're going to get through this. And daggone happy Easter, by the way, too.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we're getting close to the, the end of this. So,
0: yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, happy Easter, Bok Bok. <sighs> I knew you going <laughs> to do that.
1: But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, also, um, As we said, you know, part of part of what we were just talking about, it leads into people uh, having some some panic attacks. And and, uh, I've seen where several people are just uh, having enough of being staying at the house. And, Uh you know, you're seeing more and more people talk about, especially in the group, that. You know, hey, is everybody else as tired of this as I am, and mm-hmm. look it's rough trust me i I guarantee you it's it's and it's rougher on some people than it is on others. Just know though that you still have ways you can communicate with people, you can use the internet, you can use your phone, you can video chat people use take an opportunity. Especially if you've got um, loved ones that you can't see. Like, I haven't been able to see my dad in a while. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I know a lot of you are in the same boat just because you're too afraid to. You know, you don't know what the situation is. Call them up. uh, Video chat with them.
0: Video chatting is so fun, you guys. We we should do more of that, honestly. It's that way you can see each other. And it's just the best thing to do. Yeah,
1: it's making the best of a bad situation. Yeah,
0: and, you know, everybody's, this is everybody's normal now. So it's kind of, you know, a little hard to get used to, but we're making it fun. We've had, you know, great times with the kids and they're here with us. And, you know, we just, uh, Dakota, my granddaughter, wrote some real inspiring notes and drew some really pretty pictures. And she went through the neighborhood and stapled them on the light poles and stuff and it's just they're so uplifting and so cheerful and i thought you know what that is such a nice thing to do she thought of it on her own and she just thought you know hey somebody walking by reads this it might make them feel better so it's the little things like that you guys that you know keep our spirits up so you know but like we're getting ready to give that number out but you guys just make sure that um you know comment in the group Call me or Jerry personally, it's fine. Uh, but if you don't want to do that, the number is 800-273-8255. And the text number is 741-741. And anyway, just, you know, give us a shout. we would be glad to talk to you.
1: All right. We're all struggling right now. I mean, it's just, you know, Kristen's downstairs cooking. Who knows if we'll make it through that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh, bless her heart. She's been doing a lot, so <laughs> we appreciate it.
1: Ninja's trying to get his two cents in. Yeah. All right.
0: So let's. what's this story about? I can't wait.
1: This is actually out of Nashville, Tennessee. And, you know, I like to dig and find these ones that are, you know, either very, you know, little is known about them mm-hmm. and try to dig for them. Some of those are really hard to get information. This is one I was able to dig up a lot of information on, but I had never heard about it. Okay. So, my guess is the story is is going to be known by some people who live in the Nashville area. Oh, Tennessee. But probably for most people outside of Nashville, they may not know about it. And this story's got a bunch of different aspects of the paranormal world, from full-body apparitions to uh, time lapses.
0: Ooh, I love those.
1: This is The Haunting of Breeze Hill in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, Breeze Hill was an antebellum mansion. It was built in the early 1800s by Joseph Voll. He fought in the Revolutionary War in 1776.
0: Wow. Thank you for your service. I knew
1: it was coming. (laughs) At this point in his life, he decided he was going to move from North Carolina, where he originally lived, to Nashville. So he got to Nashville, and he built one of the nicest, most elaborate homes in the entire city. And most people said it was one of the nicest in the entire South.
0: Nice. Good for him.
1: Breeze Hill was completed in 1832. The Vaux family did very well financially. That was up until the Civil War came through Nashville. You see their home was right in a prime location. The home overlooked a... uh, there was a major road that was going through there at the time, which is now Old Franklin Pike. It was also on the bank of Browns Creek. So Breeze Hill was right in the middle of the Confederate lines. Oh, that's lines. a shame. So the Union soldiers would actually come through there. But when they would come through, they would just take any of the crops that they wanted, which sucked for them. And then would take livestock, and they wouldn't pay for any of it. Now, the Confederates, they would I'm come jerks. through. The Confederates would pay for stuff. That they took, but they were paying for it with Confederate paper money, which was worthless.
0: Worthless, yeah. So,
1: they basically Mm -hmm. were just having to give up stuff. Eventually, so during the Battle of Nashville, the Confederates took over the house. They made it their headquarters and a hospital. Obviously, being the Battle of Nashville, there were several deaths that took place on the premises, inside the house, and outside on the grounds itself, where both Confederate and Union soldiers both perished out there. So, you can imagine... That that adds to the haunting Oh yeah. Okay. of Breeze Hill. So during the time that the house was being used for the Confederate headquarters, this beautiful young woman rides up. She's on her horse. And she says that she hurt her foot in a riding accident. And she asks if one of the Southern gentlemen could help her out. They oblige. They get her off the horse. They take her up to the second floor. And they set her up in one of the bedrooms so she could rest her foot. So a little later that night, the heads of the, you know, masterminds of the Confederate army are downstairs and they're talking strategy. They hear this big, loud thump. And then just something like, like something had been thrown down the steps. So they get up, they run to the bottom of the steps. And the lady that they had helped earlier was at the bottom of the steps, dead from a broken neck. Oh no. Turns out she was a spy from the union and she was trying to infiltrate what was going on she was leaning forward over the the banister to try to hear what they were talking about and she lost her footing and fell over
0: well she is not a very good spy (laughs) so was her foot not really hurt then
1: no no it was all made up
0: oh my goodness
1: yeah so she wasn't a very good one and a clumsy one at that The Vole family eventually moved from the house after the Civil War, but they stayed in Nashville. Eventually, their son Joseph moved into the house. He died inside the house in 1908. The house stayed empty for about a decade, just a hair over. The home became neglected, all kinds of weeds, trees overtook the whole area, and that's about the time when the rumors of the place being haunted kind of started because mm-hmm. you know anytime you got a spooky looking place with weeds and stuff growing up all over that would be the easy place to pick out and say oh that just looks like a haunted house you know some places had that look even but there's not mm-hmm. a real story to come with it
0: but you would think somebody would go ahead after they left or whatever would go back and Try to fix it back up again instead well, of letting it stay for 10 years or whatever.
1: Yeah, you would think so, but it did take that long. And that it changed, though, when a gentleman by the name of Morris Wilson bought the mansion in the 1920s. He spent tons of time and money renovating the property. The Wilsons were, I guess you could say, socialites. Mm-hmm. They liked to have some parties, and they had some very big parties there. This Some of these parties, I read, lasted for days.
0: Hell yeah.
1: (laughs) What are you partying about that in the 1920s? Well, I don't know. That sounds pretty cool to me. In 1938, the Wilson's only child, Elizabeth, inherited the property. She got the home and everything in it, and apparently that included more than just furniture and family heirlooms. Mm. Elizabeth married a gentleman by the name of William Scribner after she inherited the house. They both lived in a house that Elizabeth grew up in for several years. Seeing, hearing, and feeling spirits became a regular occurrence for the couple, though. The first occurrence was when Elizabeth was, she walks into the bedroom, Mm -hmm. right? And William's in there talking to himself. Now, she had heard in the lobby already as she was walking up, or hallway, I guess I should say, she heard he was talking to somebody and she was curious. She walks in, he's continuing to talk, and she's like, who are you talking to? He says, I'm talking to you. And she's like, well, you can't be talking to me. I just walked in the room. Yeah. And he said, well, who was that that just walked in like 15 minutes ago and sat down behind me?
0: Wait, but he didn't see her, though?
1: No, I guess he was, he had his desk. Oh, he's working at his desk, probably. So she walked in, I guess, or somebody walked in and sat behind him. Oh, shoot. And look, I know this was a different time and era, back in the 30s, to where... Women a lot of times were, you know, not didn't speak until they were spoken to and all that kind of stuff. Whatever. But, uh, but if you're babbling for 15 minutes and you don't even realize there's nobody, nobody behind there. you, yeah. I mean, if I talked for five minutes and somebody hadn't responded, I would have at least been curious.
0: Yeah, like why are you talking oh. to me, Hepper?
1: <laughs> so the second surreal experience that they had, both of them were in the den. An apparition of a woman just materialized right in front of them.
0: Like both of them at the same time? Yes. Nice.
1: And it starts walking towards them, walks through a desk, and then disappeared. They said it stayed for like something like 10, 15 seconds before So she didn't say
0: anything. No, she didn't say anything. Well, that's good, though, that they seen it together.
1: And they weren't the only ones that experienced things there. One night, they had a friend spend the night, and he was abruptly waking up in the middle of the night because he said something or someone brushed up against him while he was in the bed.
0: Mm-hmm. Just like
1: what you had done. It's not the same It thing. is,
0: but only somebody liked
1: your buddy. <laughs> the Scribners decided that they were going to move out of the house. They kept ownership of the home, but decided to move in a caretaker to the property. This would pose a different problem, Because it was harder to find caretakers that would stay than you would initially think.
0: Oh, I mean, I can
1: believe that. The first caretaker was a young woman, and she had some friends staying with her, and it was a cold night. She woke up the next morning, nice roaring fire in the fireplace, and she had a big heavy quilt that had been placed over top of her while she was sleeping. This all sounds warm and comfy and cozy until she realized that she hadn't gotten the quilt out of where she'd kept it. And she talked to her friends. They didn't do it. And none of the her or her friends had started a fire. So oh. they, nobody had a clue how the fire got started or how the quilt got put on the bed.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't worry so much about the quilt. because. But who the heck started a fire? What she, if they were off a little bit and they started it in the middle of the floor?
1: <laughs> she soon gave up the position as caretaker, as you can imagine. So the Scriveners were used to hearing footsteps and sound, the sounds of spurs jingling even. Oh, yeah. Seeing doorknobs and, and turn by themselves and all this. But see, the caretakers were not, and they were also never told that any of these things happened. So it wouldn't implant it in their mind.
0: Yeah, so they wouldn't but, know to yeah, they, that. Yeah, they
1: wouldn't have had a clue. So those things just happened. When the Scriveners had moved out in 1961, they kept their reasons for moving out hush-hush. They didn't want people to know. It wasn't until years later that these stories were told to friends and family members. But for 12 years, they tried caretaker after caretaker. Most were horrible at their jobs, and what I mean by that is, um, <laughs> well, I'm gonna let me get into that in a second. In 1967, she met a gentleman by the name of John Bell. Wasn't that same one from the Bell Witch? What his name, John Bell? Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> anyway. He was a young man, he's full of enthusiasm, he loved the house. She thought he would be the perfect fit to to kind of move in, restore the house back to its glory that it once had. But timing wasn't right for John Bell, so he turned it down. The Scribners tried caretakers, different caretakers up until May of 1973. During the 12 years between the house falling into into some state of disrepair and the time that They found a proper caretaker. They went through a bunch of different caretakers, as I said, and they were mostly careless. Mm -hmm. That's why they should have been careless takers. (laughs) Why? Because vandals had came in and looted the place. Some art thieves had stolen several different paintings and valuable antiques. In the late 60s, hippies used to come in there and they would use the place as, as, you know, more as a crash site. And they would start fires in the middle of the floor and use antiques as Wood and kindling.
0: What did I just say? I said that. Yeah? Man, that's awful, though. To destroy all that good stuff. But they had
1: caretakers there, so none of that should have ever happened. So
0: they happened. never even stopped them. Yeah,
1: that's what I mean. They were just...
0: Well, that is not good help.
1: <laughs> all that changed in 1973 when John Bell and two friends said that they would finally step in and help. So it was John Bell, a guy named Robert Bollinger, and Wayne Bottoms. They were all three young, enthusiastic, and they all shared a love for all things that were old. So they would love Betty White. (laughs) Breeze Hill was a perfect project for these guys. They jumped into it and they recruited as many people as they possibly could that would come in and volunteer and help fix the damage that a decade had brought onto the house. It didn't take long, though, for the three young men to encounter what the other caretakers had experienced.
0: Did they not realize what was in that house? I don't think so. Oh.
1: So, at very strange times, they would hear the sound of something heavy falling down the staircase. When they would go and check it out, nothing would be there. They would also see an apparition of a woman that they started to call the Grey Lady. So they told the Scribners all about these strange experiences, and the Scribners told them the story of the Union spy that fell down the stairs during the Civil War over a hundred years before that. This made sense to them, so the Grey Lady must be who they were seeing. Mm -hmm. That must be her. It wasn't just that, though. Visitors would also see the Grey Lady. The longer that the three men lived in the home, the more spirits they encountered. It became apparent that there were several more spirits there than just the Grey Lady. Now they considered the next experience to be ghosts while others considered it to be more of a time warp or, I guess we could say, uh, scene into another dimension. But they had a guest come in. He was in the, the main room. You know, he walked in the house. He was mm-hmm. in the main room. He looked out this very large window they had that overlooked the lawn. In an instant, he said, the entire scene completely changed. It went from an urban Nashville setting to a large lot that was covered with beautiful trees, horse-drawn carriages pulling up so that the, the men would get out with ruffled shirts. The women had these elaborate antebellum dresses were getting oh, out of these,
0: these awesome.
1: carriages. And he said it was as if he stepped back into time to the home's heyday, and actually it was before the Civil War, and watched people arriving for like a huge party. He swore that this lasted for at least five minutes. It lasted so long that he was even beginning to wonder if he was ever going to get back to his own time. So he thought he might be stuck in this place. Well, he did. And then he left the property immediately and he never came back.
0: No way. Did he uh, Did he tell the other guys, I guess? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they told him. John Bell said that he would have similar experiences, but they would be more like flashes. Mm-hmm. They would last, you know, never, never more than a second or two. Yeah. He said, but you'd be looking at something, and it would just like a picture would just pop in your head, and it would just disappear, and it can be back to normal.
0: So I wonder why this was this guy why why he was so long. I don't know for him.
1: I don't know. I didn't, and I didn't see too many people other than him and John Bell that had that situation.
0: That would be so awesome to see such a
1: thing. But John Bell said it was just enough time to blink. He said, like, blink, open your eyes, eyes. it's there, blink again, it's gone. It was just like, it was just amazing to him that it was so quick but so realistic. There's actually a term for this, by the way. It's called retrocognition. It's a phenomenon of experiencing or seeing another time period. That's cool. This was not the only experiences with time in the house. When guests would actually visit, they found that their watches would either run extremely fast, extremely slow, or they didn't work at all. Just stop. And they said it was almost, there were times in the house where it seemed like time stood still. It would be like, you would be in there for 20 minutes, but it would seem like two hours. You know, but only, but only you know, 20 minutes had passed or something. This was pretty common. Soon, some other curious things started to happen. Oil paintings that were in these heavy, ornate, beautiful frames would be found off the wall where they were hanging and carefully placed on the floor or in a completely different room. Like, if these things had fallen off the wall, you would have heard it. Oh, yeah, They definitely. were huge and heavy. They said that these things would freak them out a little bit, but in the end, it was just harmless stuff and they could deal with it. But... You just knew there was going to be an until. (laughs) (laughs) John Bell hadn't had any negative experiences, but one of the other two men was standing at the top of the staircase. An invisible force shoved him with such force that if he hadn't grabbed onto the railing, he would have tumbled straight over just like the Union spy did.
0: Wow. Maybe it was her.
1: It's very possible. So then they started to see these things shapeless entities they called them they said that they just had they would fly around the room all three of them would see them and they said the the energy in the room would change you you just had an intuition that there was something evil about them so this was enough for john bell's two buddies Mm -hmm. they decided that they were moving out of the house john on the other hand he was still really big into the project, and he still felt like he was dedicated to, to preserving the home, so he stayed. We're going to fast forward a few years, though. At this point, John has spent several years working as custodian and curator of the mansion. But things changed because he got married. He was still excited, at working on restoring the house, but he was concerned for the safety of his family, because obviously... This is where he lives, and now he's moved his family in there.
0: Mm, So they're not liking
1: it. Well, that, and I think he just, he was just better safe than sorry. Mm -hmm. So he decided to call an expert in these matters. A lady by the name of Mildred Cohen. Mildred was anything but your stereotypical paranormal investigator. She was from a very prominent family. She married a very successful man. They lived a You know, very good life, and she was what they would deem at the time, in the 60s, a proper Southern lady. That changed one day in 1965. On that fateful day, she had a visitor. Now, oddly enough, that visitor had died the day before. Really? And she knew that he had died the day before. This wasn't one of those deals where she found out after the fact that the guy had died. She knew the guy had died, and he showed up the next day. Her visitor didn't say a word but she knew it was him. Mildred said this was a sign that she had a gift and she had a higher calling in life. So as time went by, people in the high-class society that she was also in began to ask Mildred to come rid their home of unwanted spirits. Now, these were people who normally uh, wouldn't have even reached out to anybody because, you know, they feel like that they would have been um, ridiculed mm-hmm. or thought to be crazy or whatever the case was. But because Mildred was one of them, they didn't have a problem reaching out to her. Yeah. And also turns out that she was very good. She had a 100% success rate at the time that John reached out to her. So this is who John seeked out, obviously, for help. Mildred Cohen came to the house and she performed a cleansing ritual, okay. She didn't do any kind of chanting or dancing. There was no New Age ceremonies. She used some text that she had approved by the Anglican Church. She recited prayer from a Requiem Mass, and this was a ritual that was intended to put lost souls to rest, basically. She went through every room. She used holy water and boxwood, She made the sign of a cross on every doorway and every window. She would talk to the spirits directly on occasion, and she would ask God and his angels to help the souls uh, rest peacefully. After Mildred went through the entire house and invoked the spirits to leave, she left. In the following days, the bells still experienced some things. Nothing that was really, you know, over the top, but nothing really seemed any different either. Nothing major happened, but they still felt like that the aura of the house was still exactly the same. So they're kind of giving up hope at this point. After a few days, after Mildred's visit, John Bell was awakened at 3 a.m. It was extremely dark in the room, pitch black, he said. But he could see some light coming from the other room. He's fully awake now because it's... Jarred him a little bit. Yeah. He realizes that there's no natural light because it's dark. So he doesn't know where this light's coming from Mm -hmm. in the other room. So he goes to investigate. He gets there and there's this column of light that went. He said it was cylindrical, so it was round. It went from the floor all the way to the ceiling. He stood there in amazement. And he said he was just stunned. And then it started to flicker like a candle would. Mm -hmm. And it started kind of waving a little bit back and forth and continuing to flicker. And then eventually it just went completely off like somebody had flicked off a switch. He said it did it for about 20 seconds. In John Bell's mind, this was a mass exit of all the spirits that were in the home. In the next several days, nothing else happened. The first time that nothing had happened since he had moved into the house several years before. Oh, me. So to John, his prayers had been answered. Whatever Mildred had done apparently worked. It just took a few days. Friends who came over, they also noticed a difference. All the clocks and watches now worked perfectly. The passage of time inside of the house was now no different than it was outside. So how about that?
0: Pretty cool. Don't you just love
1: a story that has a happy ending?
0: I absolutely do.
1: Well, this one doesn't.
0: Well, what the crap?
1: (laughs) It's It's like now that the time was right in the house, the house had some catching up to do. It started to rapidly deteriorate. Chunks of the ceiling would fall. Plaster flaked out of the wall in large sections. The entire structure seemed to almost instantly erode. So now in the early 1980s, the Scribner had grown tired of trying to keep up this old house. Developers were really wanting the land to put up a subdivision apartments and all that stuff. And the Scribners eventually caved in and they sold it to them. In 1983, Breeze Hill Mansion was torn down Mm. to make way for the subdivision. There hadn't been any kind of reports of hauntings in the subdivision that I'm aware of, uh, where the house once sat.
0: frustration i mean you go to all that and to keep it up and all that stuff and it ended up beating him
1: but see i think that's absolutely amazing that the whole concept of time standing still basically and then once all that's done it's like mm-hmm. you know maybe there was something to that why all of a sudden the stuff just start falling apart
0: yeah why at, at a
1: higher pace mm-hmm. once all that took place
0: that's very interesting
1: So, really cool. So, I'm going to cover a few things before we get into Patreon and stuff. First of all, the live uh, episodes that we've done on Facebook. I hope you guys are enjoying those. It's something we're going to keep doing for a little bit. I don't know if it'd be a forever thing, but, uh, you know, as long as we can't go out on Saturday nights and do stuff, Mm -hmm. it's going to be uh, something we'll be doing. Obviously, the first week went really well. Last night, we had Justin Rimmel on, so it was our first guest. Still had some technical difficulties, but... We, uh I think that we got all that behind us now, so it was a little more fun. I keep learning more and more ways to use the program. But I, have, I know there was a bunch of people who watched it and a bunch of people who enjoyed it because they've already made comments on it. So hopefully you did. Next week, we're going to have uh, Shelby Lenora, at least on Facebook. That's what she goes by. Uh-huh. And she's going to be on. She's got a, a new podcast coming out, her and a buddy. And she's a practicing witch. So I think that will be really cool. Here's the thing we had to change from week one to week two, though if you were on the first one, you realize that we had this, we put it in our group and we put it on our fan page. If you signed on from the group, you just showed up as Facebook user. So we didn't know who was asking questions because it just said Facebook user. I found out from the company we use that you have to just, if you do it through a group, that happens. So you, if we put it on the page, no issues. And we didn't have any of that last night. So that that part's correct. So... In the future going on, it's going to be on our Facebook page. So if you aren't haven't liked the Facebook page, and I don't, I don't even know if you have to like it um, to in order to be able to watch the video. I think you can just go to it without liking it. Mm-hmm. But that's where it's going to be at. It won't be in the group, but it's only because of that reason. Yeah. So we'll try to remember, and we didn't get on there in time last night to tell everybody that it wouldn't go be in a group. So probably some people missed it, but that's where it will be. It will be on the Facebook page, and it will be on, uh, I might put it on my personal profile because then we'll see if that works. Okay. But that's what it'd be every week after that. And we're working on some other big guests for you guys. So we're going to have fun with these things. I think the last two we did, they lasted about an hour. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it'll be fun. Yeah, it
0: was fun seeing all you guys on there and answering your questions. And I kept trying to keep up with everybody. <laughs> it's so hard to do. And I feel bad because I'm not acknowledging every single person on there. I mean, it's just hard to do. But. We we
1: literally had, like, 480 comments for the hour that we were on. So, yeah, it's it's going to be impossible if, if you say hi and we don't get to say hi back. Yeah. It's just because we missed it. Because if you've seen it, it looks like a damn slot machine turn in.
0: Well, I kept trying to say, I was, like, sneaking in a hi, like, between Justin and Jerry talking, which is kind of rude, but I just wanted to say hey, but... Mm. It's been fun. We enjoy doing it. It's like, you know, a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoy it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, much as I hate to, it's that, that time. The Indianapolis show in May is officially canceled. Um, it's just, it's not going to be able to happen, unfortunately. Uh, and then we'll just, the next, next show up on the list is Chicago in June, and we'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah, I sure hope we can do that. Been looking forward to it.
1: I saw something today uh what was it? Medical experts predicted that there would probably be no more concerts until fall of two thousand twenty-one. No, ah. That's what was sent to me. How true it is, or why they think that. But if that's the case, I mean, it would be that way for sporting events and everything. I guess sport events they can play without fans, but concerts—it's kind of pointless to do a concert if you're the only one there.
0: Well, that sucks. So
1: we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how realistic that is. Who knows? All right, Tracy, you got some Patreons. And, uh, well, you don't have any Patreons this week. There was no Patreons this week. But you've got some uh, iTunes reviews.
0: We sure do. Mojo Lobster, honey, we love you. Thank you for, um,
1: your weekly reviews. Yeah,
0: it's amazing. We love it. (laughs) Bethany Mahan, Spooky Tree, and Mike Arnold. Thank you guys for your, uh, really very nice, uh, What's that word? Reviews. Reviews. Sorry, my mind just went bleh. Um, but yeah, we look forward to those every single day. And I'm glad you guys keep them coming because, you know, we we still like to know that you guys are still interested in listening and things like that. And again, if there's something we can improve on, please let us know that as well.
1: Right. And, and we don't say this a lot. You know, some people harp on Patreon a lot. We very seldom mention it. But if you're not a Patreon member, Remember, if you don't know this, this is a little, little trick. When you sign up for Patreon, they don't charge you immediately. Ours isn't set up that way. Some some are set up that way. Ours isn't. Uh, you don't get charged until the first of the month. So if you're caught up and you're not a Patreon and you want to see what's out there... Sign up for Patreon, and you'll have it free until the 1st, which is another 18, 19 days. Mm-hmm. And it'll give you some listening to. And, you know, even if you end up canceling it on the 1st, you're going to get some free entertainment that you wouldn't have.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, well, guys, that puts it this week into books.
0: We love y'all so much. We hope y'all had a blessed Easter. Um, yeah. Thank you, Lord. And um, continue to stay safe. And do what we're told, and we'll move on and hopefully be over this stuff soon. We love you guys so much. All right,
1: we'll see you next week.
0: Bye.